This podcast is supported by Evernorth Health Services. Welcome to The Whole Story. I'm Anderson Cooper in Tel Aviv. One of the worst scenes of slaughter during the Hamas terror attack on Israel was at the Supernova Festival, a dance party just 3.3 miles away from the border with Gaza. More than 3,000, mostly young people, had gathered in an open field. It became a killing field, the site of the single biggest loss of civilian life in Israel's history. Over the course of about six hours, terrorists killed more than 260 people there. Many were slaughtered at the site. Others were ambushed or hunted down as they tried to flee. We still don't know how many party goers were kidnapped and how many of those people may still be alive, being held somewhere in Gaza. Hamas has posted hostage videos online and desperate family members in Israel have resorted to scrolling through jihadist videos, searching for any images of their loved ones. Only now is the whole story of what happened at the Supernova Music Festival coming into focus. Using videos from multiple sources and eyewitness accounts from survivors, we've been able to document how coordinated this attack was and just how brutal. Some of what you'll see tonight is tough to watch, but it is, for now, the most complete look at what took place that we've reported so far. It was 6 a.m. on Saturday morning, October 7th. The sun was rising over southern Israel. I was standing with a friend, and we looked together at the sunrise, and I told her, look how beautiful she is. What a magical sunrise, what a magical day. Thousands of young people had been partying through the night at the Supernova Festival, a trance music rave. I made a video on my social of minutes before the attack, and the crowd goes crazy, raving. Been in a lot of festivals, one of the best ones. So, before the attack. After analyzing dozens of videos, they start to shoot at us. And interviewing survivors, CNN has been able to piece together how the Hamas terror attack unfolded 70 miles south of Tel Aviv, near Re'im about 3.3 miles from Israel's border with Gaza. Festival organizers had been setting it up for days, but some partygoers didn't learn the location until shortly before the rave began. Usually trans festivals, you don't give the location until the last day, because trans festivals originally were illegal in most of the countries, so we never give the location till a couple of hours before. This is a tradition in this trans culture. There were police and event security on site, but partygoers have been asked to leave any guns at home. They ask all of the people that attended to the event to, to, to be calm and peaceful, don't break any weapons. Usually you really don't think that you need to bring weapons to a party. It's a nature party. It's supposed to be the most safe place that we all know. 31-year-old Hai Cohen was going to skip the party, but changed his mind after a friend convinced him not to. I told her, listen, I'm really, really tired. Try to maybe sell the tickets or uh, take uh, other friends with you. She sent the message to the organization and 
the organization told her it's too close to the event and it's not possible to change the ticket anymore. And then she wrote to me, it's a destiny. You don't have a reason to be afraid. I would like you to come with me. And then I wrote to her, okay, I'm in. 31-year-old Gal Raz traveled to the party with two friends and met up with his other friends, Avinatan Orr and his girlfriend, Noah Argamani. I told uh, Avinatan about this party. I pushed him a bit to, to come with me because we enjoyed some festivals like this before. Also enjoying the festival, a 22-year-old restaurant manager named Omer Wainkert. His vision is, of course, to be professional, to be the owner of a restaurant eventually, and uh, to have family. Shani Loke, a 22-year-old German-Israeli citizen, had come as well. My daughter is very artistic. She likes drawing. She's a tattoo artist, and she likes music festivals, and she likes to dance. Another party-goer was Elkanah Bokbat, a husband and father of a three-year-old boy. Elkanah, he has a huge heart, he has a big love, he has an ice cream shop, he's a very smart guy. He loved life. He went to celebrate life. The celebration was supposed to go on all day, but at 6.30 a.m., the music stopped. It sometimes happens. In the first seconds, we were, I was like, yeah, sure, electricity shut down. And you see these little blobs of light in the distance, and you think like, okay, this is maybe fireworks. This video was taken at exactly 6.30. Like 20 seconds after that, we realized that those lights are not fireworks. This is missiles, this is rockets. I remember police guy take the microphone and say in Hebrew, Seva Adon. It means a red siren, red siren, please go to the shelter. What? You know, like we are in open field, what shelter? When you are in open area like that, the best thing is that you can do is to lie on the ground and put your hand on your head. Party goers could hear the rocket warnings, but many were not concerned. It's far away, it's far away, a man in the parking area says, don't worry. For a lot of Israelis, alarm is not something that you get so excited and scared about. I didn't get nervous because I used to it, because in Israel, every two, few months from Gaza, from, you know, we're surrounded by enemies, so I used to see so many rockets over my head. So I was chill. Rockets aren't unusual in southern Israel, but armed paragliders are. Between the rockets, you can see them coming from above, but I, I didn't think it was any kind of danger. We saw the paraglidings from afar, but we didn't think, we never occurred that, it, that they carry terrorists inside of them. You can hear a woman asking, what's happening? It was around 7 a.m., and some partygoers were already trying to get out. 
I understand something really getting wrong when I start hearing the live shooting. The live shooting I could recognize by the type of the shooting. This is was terrorist, not IDF power. There are three types of shooting. One is like single, pow, pow, pow. One is going like a line, pow, 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 in a rhythm. And there is like open fire. Ta, 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 ta. There is rules in IDF how you shoot and very carefully. So I could understand this is not IDF, this is terrorist attacking us and shooting us. It was far away, but you could hear that. And then I understand, yeah, we need to get the fuck away from here. Inor Cogno, a 25-year-old photographer, got to his car and out of the parking area. There was like small jam of cars. But the policemen between the field and the main road stopped us. He says they told him there was shooting on the road north and he should head south. I was probably one of the last one who escaped that without getting the live shooting on me. Just decided that I want to drive away from here. Maya Alper was working the festival and got to the parking lot around the same time as Ainur. I got into my car, which because I was like really close to the exit, so I didn't get stuck that much in the traffic of people going out. So I was able to get out of the party space and into the road, and I thought I thought I was safe. Unlike Ainur, Maya drove north toward Tel Aviv. But Hamas gunmen were already on that road ahead of her. They'd arrived on motorcycles and in trucks, armed with automatic weapons and grenade launchers, and quickly closed in from three directions. As this drone video shows, the traffic jam of cars trying to leave would prove deadly. The cars were stuck. And then a few moments later, an officer coming towards our way, terrified, terrified for his life, and he's screaming like, there is terrorists. They're shooting people. You need to leave your cars, leave everything here, and run. Run, run for your life. Hamas came from the west. They also were coming from the north and from the south. So heading east through this open field was the only way for many people to try to get out. The problem was it's an open field and they were easy targets. It's not yet known how many people were shot running away or in hiding places nearby, but it was early and the slaughter had just begun. All There Is with Anderson Cooper is supported by Evernorth Health Services. Grief is a human experience. Shouldn't the care we receive feel human too? That's why Evernorth Behavioral Health ensures all members have access to live, specialized support anytime, in person or virtually, with a 100% follow-up commitment to make sure that they get the help that they need. So no matter what stage of grief your employees may be in, there's always a person ready to listen. Stressful times can lead many to bottle up complex feelings, especially at work. 59% of those suffering say nothing. This can have unexpected and serious mental and physical health implications. And with Evernorth's data-driven risk monitoring tools, they can help spot challenges early and step in to guide individuals to care before they undergo any more suffering. 
Each person's grief is as unique as they are, which is why Evernorth offers a wide range of personalized behavioral solutions to meet the needs of every member that they serve. Learn more at evernorth.com slash grief support. I'm Dr. Sanjay Gupta, CNN's chief medical correspondent. This week on Chasing Life... Lately, we have been paying attention to a very different virus, bird flu, which is caused by the H5N1 virus. If you start to hear that it's circulating in pigs, that would be a concern. That means I would go from sleeping with one eye open to one and a half eyes open. Yeah, that would make me very concerned. Listen to Chasing Life wherever you get your podcasts. gunmen had breached the fence separating Israel and Gaza in multiple locations, according to the IDF. By 7 a.m., they were along this entire stretch of highway. Police and festival security exchanged fire with the heavily armed attackers, but they were outgunned and outmanned. As chaos spread, a traffic jam in the parking area made it difficult for anyone to drive onto the main road and get out. You cannot go from everywhere, only one line to the roads. You really get a sense of just the chaos that took place here as partygoers started to realize what was happening. Many rushed to the parking lot trying to get into their vehicles, but they never made it out. Those who were able to drive north or south quickly realized Hamas gunmen were waiting for them. We got on the road, then we ran into uh, an ambush. They shot about eight to ten uh, gunshots on the car. A lot of cars started to turn around and honk and be like, turn around, turn around. I remember that I'm holding the wheel, okay? And I'm telling myself, get ready, buddy. They are coming. At 7.39 a.m., this dash cam video shows a Hamas gunman firing into a car on the road just north of the festival site. The car accelerates more gunmen shoot at those inside. This gunman also shoots repeatedly and at least three shots hit the dashboard. The car accelerates faster and this gunman fires as well. The car crashes into another vehicle parked on the side of the road. It's not known how many people were inside. There were at least eight bomb shelters on the road north and south near the festival site. This is a part of Israel that is under constant rocket barrage and has been so for decades. Um, And so there are many sites throughout the region that have these fortified concrete structures that are used for protection. Many of the participants found one of those structures and went inside, assuming that they would be safe. Einor Cogno, who driven south, pulled over to hide in a shelter. It's just a room uh, on like three meters on three meters, closed from every side, one door. 
we were like 14 people there. I could hear shooting. Again, shooting that I recognize, that are terrorist shooting. But it was right now very close, like very close. Einor decided to make a run for it. He was lucky. I took a decision that I think probably saved my life. At this shelter, just north of the festival, you can see Hamas gunmen throwing a grenade inside. A man runs out trying to escape. He was immediately gunned down. 19-year-old Noam Cohen recorded this video inside another shelter a few miles further north in Alamein. The concrete room was packed with people. You can hear the panic in their voices, asking what's going on. Are there Israeli soldiers nearby? We got in the shelter with like 30 people. And then after five minutes inside the shelter, we just hear enormous like boom, like explosion, grenades inside of our shelter. We aren't going to show you the videos he recorded next. They are among the most gruesome we've ever seen. The deadliest kind of the grenades, the, those kind of grenades that throw pieces all over, metal pieces, pieces uh, uh, screws, I don't know what they put in, in there. They saw my friends exp exploded in front of my face. Noam says he hid under body parts to survive. That's him, terrified, but alive. It was a horror movie. We found the shelter in the town of Alamein. Someone had put a curtain up over the doorway but nothing could hide the smell as you enter. My cameraman, Neil Halsworth, who's experienced a lot of war, began to retch and had to step outside. There's bloody handprints on the wall. There's blood smeared on the walls. You can see probably these are either bullet holes or from the grenades that were thrown in here. Body parts have already been collected from here, but blood-soaked clothes and shoes remain. This looks to be a bloody handprint. The shelter is no more than 15 feet long, maybe five and a half, six feet wide. The idea of so many people packed in here standing shoulder to shoulder, terrified, screaming. It's incredible that anybody was able to survive. CNN has identified at least four different shelters where festival goers were shot or killed with grenades. Back at the festival site, the butchering continued. Roughly two hours after it began, dash cam video retrieved from abandoned cars in the parking area show heavily armed Hamas gunmen moving around, shooting freely. This body camera video shows a gunman shooting repeatedly and systematically into portable toilets where people had hidden. This photo from another toilet nearby shows bloodstains on the wall and on the ground. At 9.23 a.m., nearly three hours into the attack, this dash cam in the parking area records a bloodied hostage being led away. Then, under the car, you can see another man hiding. He moves slightly, then stops. A gunman runs right up to him, and shoots him point-blank in the head or upper body. When we return, the festival-goers kidnapped by Hamas.
The objective was to not only kill a lot of Jews, but also to capture Jews. who were killed and those who've gone missing and are presumed uh, being held hostage in Gaza. Um, we're talking about couples. We're talking about young people. We have families who are begging for information. Ikana Bakbut, Noah Argamani, Avi Natan Orr, Shani Lok, and Omer Wayne Kurt are just some of the festival goers who were kidnapped. The situation is brutal. Omer is a 22-year-old civilian restaurant manager. He has nothing to do with the situation. Ricardo Grigener's nephew, Omer Wenkert, was last seen in the back of this pickup truck. His family wants the world to see this video. Omer had been stripped of his clothes and was being hit repeatedly. That you don't know anything is devastating. The parents are devastated. They cannot sleep. They cannot eat. Omer's grandmother is a Holocaust survivor. Silly says that there is no other thing that a Holocaust survivor can hear. She's 82 years old. She's not ready for this uh, hearing this kind of dreadful news. It's not known how many people were kidnapped from the festival, but in total, Israeli authorities have said as many as 150 men, women, and children may have been taken from multiple locations. Many families have had to scour jihadist videos online looking for any sign of their loved ones. We have heard from uh, families of those that are believed to have been abducted, essentially piecing together on their own what they believe happened using their last messages from their loved ones, using um, photos that others took and using other survivors who were potentially with them and trying to piece together exactly what happened in the final moments before they were taken by Hamas. Hamas posted this video of Elkana Bakbert tied up and terrified. This is the only image his brother has found of him. All of his friends that uh, go to this peaceful music festival, I'm trying and I try and I keep trying till uh, someone, uh, one of them told me, I just saw your brother on the video, this video coming from the other side, from Gaza side. Hamas posted this video of Noah Arkhamani forced onto a motorcycle. She's screaming, don't kill me, reaching out to her captured boyfriend, Abi Natan Or. The couple had earlier sent out this photo while hiding near bushes at the festival. We suppose they probably were hiding for three, four hours, begging for help. They started hiding after hearing the, the massacres and the shooting. Shlomit, you're a childhood friend of Noah's. Talk about what is she like? Noah is one of a kind person. She's very caring down to earth. Very fun, very ambitious. She takes her studies very seriously. Her mother, Leora, is suffering from cancer, and she's really help, helping her, taking care of her. And Leora, what, what would you want your daughter to hear right now? 
if she might hear I this, what do you want her to know? We are waiting for her at home. I want people to know that those are innocent people that were just wanted to, to have fun and they just been slaughtered, been killed. Hundreds of people are missing and my best friend is one of them. We want to bring her back as soon as possible. We need all of the kidnapped people here. Most of the estimated 150 hostages were taken from the festival and various kibbutzim, small farming communities very close to the Gaza border. We've all seen the videos uh, of hostages being taken away. And most likely they went back into Gaza the same way that they came out through the breaches in the fence. There's really no other way to get in or out. We don't know the exact number of hostages that were taken from the festival. Shani Lope's mother saw her daughter in this sickening video. She'd been stripped and appeared unconscious, lying in the back of a pickup truck with one gunman's leg draped over her waist and another holding a clump of her hair. A mob shouted, God is great, and someone spat on her. Her mother, Ricarda, is determined to find her. I mean, after the video, we really couldn't be sure if she survived this, the way she was thrown on the pickup. It looked really bad. Yeah, we recognized her on her tattoos, and, and then we all saw it, my son, my family, and we all started crying and screaming, and that was really horrible. We know that they tried to use a credit card in, in the afternoon from the Gaza Strip, and then in the night they tried to use it again. Days later, Ricarda said someone told her Shani might still be alive. She wouldn't say who it was. We heard information that uh, she is alive and that she has a bad head injury and is in a hospital. That, that's all we know, and that gave us hope. Coming up, how some survived at the festival massacre. I heard bullets whistle near my head and ears, and I looked around me and I realized I can't outrun them. I felt safe when birds started to land on my bush. And I was like, well, if the birds can't see me, then Hamas can't see me either. The Assignment with me, Audie Cornish. So there have been arrests, suspensions, disciplinary hearings. They're shutting down graduation events. At this moment, the part of the protests that are admirable are young people calling attention to atrocities. Michael Roth is the president of Wesleyan University. I would like to make a space for them to do that, as long as that space doesn't prevent other people from pursuing their education. Listen to The Assignment with me, Audie Cornish, on your favorite podcast app. As Hamas gunmen roamed the festival grounds, slaughtering unarmed civilians, many partygoers tried to escape on foot. They realized that Hamas was on the road both on the north and the south. They abandoned their vehicles and they just started running across the highway and through the open field. I heard bullets whistle near my head and ears. And they looked around me and I realized I can't outrun them. We ran for five hours 
in the field. One of my friends were barefoot. We tried to call the police. And I, I remember clearly, she told us, um, you're surrounded everywhere. In every living area, there is shooting, there is gunshots, there is killing. Um, it's, I don't know when cops will be there to help you because all of my cops are already dead. And if you hasn't got shot yet, then you're lucky and just hide, just hide. They hid in the sparse bushes and shrubbery and fields outside the festival grounds. Some sent WhatsApp messages to loved ones and took photos, like this one, thinking it might be their last. This couple survived, many others did not. It was message after message. We are hiding in this bush, we are hiding in that bush. Come and help us, please, please, please. Help us, help us, help us. The terrorists are closing on us. Yo! Yo! They were sending us messages, writing us, don't call because the terrorists will hear where we are. My fiance, I was in touch with her and she told me, don't get near to the settlements. The terrorists are concentrating there. They butcher their, their people. Don't get into this. They're doing massacre there. Um, just stay in the field. Find a good place to hide and just stay there and be quiet. And that's what we did. Who lived and who died was often a matter of luck. 25-year-old Maya Alper hid in bushes for six hours. As I laid at the bush and... Uh, I heard the woman that was with me scream. And I looked back and I saw her falling to the ground and falling to the ground screaming. And the terrorist was literally a meter and a half from me. And he was smiling so big and he put his hands in the air like he just won the lottery. After seeing like the huge smile that the terrorist had when he shot the woman that was with me and she fell for a death. They don't see us as human beings. We're not human beings for them. We're not. So I kind of closed my eyes and smiled so big. And I was like, well, I don't want to know if I'm going to die, but I want to do it with a smile. And I prayed to everything I knew in every way. And I was just so calm and peaceful. My eyes closed, and I heard them stop right near me. I heard them changing, like, the, the bullets in their guns. And they were so close to me, I could smell them. And they just kept going. They didn't see me. And after a couple of minutes, they just left. Maya's hiding spot was near a kibbutz called Be'eri, where terrorists murdered men, women, and children. Only later would Maya learn that her younger brother, a soldier in the army, was fighting to retake control of Be'eri as she was hiding. Six hours straight, hearing gunshots and bombs and alarms and screams of women and children. To survive, Maya says she leaned on meditation and breath work, which she's been practicing for years. Breathing, for believing, for praying for myself. I'm so proud of me. I truly am so, so, so proud of me. I'm doing such a great job. Everything is in your mind. 
She recorded this on her phone for her mother in case she died to show her that her last moments were calm and peaceful. I just want out, but I'm already out. I can feel the shower, I can feel the hot water on my body. I can feel the clean sheets on my skin. After several hours, Maya began to feel hopeful that she would make it out. I felt safe when birds started to land on my bush, and I was like, well, if the birds can't see me, then Hamas can't see me either. At the army, I was a tank instructor, so I'm very familiar with tanks. I felt the entire earth shake so much. It was a whole different kind of shake. <laughs> and I saw the tank, and I had this huge breath of relief, like, okay, the tanks are here, we're safe. Police lady told us most of the terrorists, they're dressing as soldiers, as cops, and as security guards, so just don't trust anyone. I saw a group of soldiers. I saw the uniform of the IDF, but I shut up. I didn't say anything because I, I knew that they might have killed soldiers, and they might have just put her clothes on to try and get us to go out. So I, I kept my mouth shut and I tried to listen and I heard them talking Hebrew without an accent. So I start screaming, help, help, I'm here. Then the soldier told me to, I'm coming with them to Berry. And I looked at him and I was like, I sat in that bush for six hours. I know what's going on in there. I'm not going in there. If you want, you can leave me with water and I'm going back to my bush. Like, I'm not going in there. And that's when a car pulled up in the distance. It was a group who'd been rescuing people since the earliest moments of the attack. Arabic Israelis are the people that got me out. We live together. <laughs> like, really, it's Hamas. It's two different things. It's not Muslims, it's not Arabics, it's Hamas. That's the problem. That's who we're fighting. That's who we're protecting us ourselves from. We're all coming together. Every single person on this land, it doesn't matter if they're Christian, Arabic, like Muslim, Jewish, we're all coming together. Coming up. It's pretty clear to you at this point that Hamas knew this festival was taking place here. It wasn't just an accident that they happened it's, upon it's it. A, it's, a, it's a plan. It's an architect plan. This is not an uprising, this is a, a coordinated attack. This kind of attack really had to have been planned for months in advance. A devastating attack, a highly sophisticated attack. My brother sent me videos of Hamas terrorists attacking police station in Zderot city. Hi Cohen was at the Supernova Festival when the terror attack began. When rockets first appeared in the distance, he and others lay on the ground, thinking they'd waited out. But then he got a warning from his brother. This wasn't just rockets, it was terrorists inside Israel. But not like two or three guys, something like ten terrorists. And 
it was never happened in Israel, never. And I told myself, okay, buddy, listen, get ready. It's going to be ugly. That's when High and his friend ran to his Jeep and drove over an open field until they reached a safe stretch of highway. They were lucky, and High knows it. They knew everything, every single matter in that area they knew because they attack in the in perfect way. Sorry that I'm saying that, but they did it perfectly. This was a very severe, it's not planned last week. This is months at least in the planning. A lot of foreplanning by Hamas militants, even paragliders flying over the Gaza fence and into uh, Israel proper. These motorized gliders, which help them um, seize the element of surprise and get even further into Israel before um, anyone was able to respond. It was almost precision flying uh, toward an objective. You would not expect that from a terrorist group. Months before this terror attack, Hamas and its affiliates posted propaganda training videos of armed gunmen flying paragliders, practicing takeoffs, landings, and assaults. Metadata analyzed by CNN reveals this training actually took place more than a year ago. They had trained on how to use them in formation and then use them to get to a location to contribute to the attack. That, that is rapid insertion. The Western militaries call that an airborne assault. Uh, when you go quickly behind enemy lines and you're not expected there, this is exactly what those paragliders uh, were attempting to do. Gunmen in cars, motorcycles, and on foot closed off the exits north, south, and west around the festival site. They knew to block the roads. They, they knew what they were doing. They had so much weapon. They were super organized. It's just a, a typical military approach to try and secure the objective. You normally, as a, as a force, try and surround the enemy on at least three sides. Hamas was able to successfully block that road, uh, damage the cars and, and any kind of vehicles that the concert goers had to get out of the area. This was a very good and practiced maneuver on an area that they wanted to secure an attack. Secure, attack, and target. What's this scene been like for you? It's horrifying. You know, it's a music festival. When I was a teenager, I came to this kind of music festivals. There were more than 3,000 people here. I don't have any other recall of memory in the history of Israel since it was established on this kind of event. When you go in here and you see the massive planning of the event, people, terrorists, flying in the air, coming with gliders, others coming here to the road. It's pretty clear to you at this point that Hamas knew this festival was taking place. It wasn't just an accident that they happened it's, upon it's it. A, it's, a, it's a plan, it's an architect plan. I know it was well advertised, but it also requires short-term intelligence collection to get that. Hey, there's gonna be a concert at this location in a week. Let's plan our operation around that, or at least have that as one of our targets. That's the kind of thing that an advanced military does. The fact that the Hamas forces 
um, came from multiple different directions, indicates to authorities that Hamas knew it was taking place and went there with the intent of killing as many of the concert goers as they could possibly kill. I think at least one week, at least. And, you know, before festival, you're doing test event for the music and for the speakers. So they knew that we are there. Definitely, definitely, they, they knew that we are there. They was ready, like elite special forces soldiers. They was ready. <laughs> ready for a massive terror attack that a senior Hamas official claims was two years in the making. <laughs> CNN has geolocated at least six training sites across Gaza, two of them a little more than a mile from the most fortified and patrolled section of the Gaza-Israel border. They were training, it seems, in plain sight. According to satellite imagery, some camps were enlarged by converting farmland into more terror training areas. You see the scale and the scope of some of those camps. Militants trained at at least six sites across Gaza, including camps just over the border with Israel. All planned, it's believed, by a shadowy Hamas commander known as Mohammed al-Dif, the guest. From the beginning of his life, he was very much uh, interested in fighting the Israeli occupation. He's known as al-Dif, the guest, because it's claimed he moves location every night. And I think that was very clear that when they went to this music festival, just a bunch of young people partying in the desert, they did so as many of the participants as they possibly could. It's quite obvious that that was their goal, and they did it quite effectively. Having seen what happened, that this is the first step of a larger plan that Hamas has. And I think the Israeli Defense Forces also understand that, and that's why they are in a really hard planning process for how they are going to execute their operations against Hamas inside of Gaza. Because they know that it was purposeful, not only the killing outside the gate, but the taking of hostages and, and going back inside the gates of Gaza. And I believe Hamas is planning for a much longer term conflict compared to what they've done in the past. I'll be reporting from Israel all this week with the latest developments on the war. Next Sunday night in The Whole Story, we'll bring you an in-depth look at Hamas and its history and how it was able to pull off this attack. Thanks for watching The Whole Story. I'll see you next Sunday. Grief is a human experience and the care we receive should be too. Evernorth Behavioral Health ensures all members have access to live, specialized support in person or virtually with a 100% follow-up commitment to make sure they get the help they need. There's always a person there, guiding your employees using data-driven risk monitoring tools so bottled-up feelings don't turn into further suffering. 
With Evernorth's wide range of behavioral solutions, care can be personalized, simple, and more accessible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash grief support. Now streaming exclusively on Max, a new CNN flash talk about the album that has Nashville talking. Call Me Country, Beyonce and Nashville's Renaissance. Watch it at max.com slash call me country. Max subscription required.